This is Hugh Douglas from 9290 Game, and you're listening to MTMV Sports. Hey, how y'all doing? This is Rick Sincere with MTMV Sports. I'm elated to be joined today by none other than Pete Lawrence, man. He is the man in fantasy circles. He has been around fantasy for so long, just kind of killing it for over... I don't. I don't want to say how many years, man. I don't want to. I don't want to age you, but <laughs> I do want to say that you <laughs> you've been around before the computers, bro. Like you, you were here with. You've been a part of this fantasy world for a minute. We had you on last year. You gave us so many tips and tools. I'm just happy to have you back, Pete. How you doing, man? Oh, it's a pleasure to be back, man. You guys are doing great things. It's really cool to see all the interviews you guys have been doing, and. Uh... I, you know, I really like listening to podcasts when I'm working out, and especially just, uh, I mean, some of the guys you've been bringing on. It's been a blast. Yeah, man, we're we're doing our absolute best, and, and we're happy to be joined by guests like you. There's so much happening right now in the fantasy world, especially with this new big drop <laughs> that happened from Andrew Luck, bro. Yo, where were you when it happened? <laughs> where were you when it happened, and how'd you react? Uh, I think... Um... So Saturday night, so I was watching uh, Miami versus Florida, uh, sitting there with my wife, and you know I think I just flipped onto Twitter, or I think the the ESPN scroll came up, and I was like, "What? No, there's no way! Like Andrew Luck is retiring." And you know, sure enough, he. Uh, I mean, they had to. It, it seems like they rushed to press conference. You know, it sounds like this wanted to probably come out maybe Sunday or this week, but. Yeah, I mean, he's walking off the field getting booed by the fans uh, and then goes in and it has to do the press conference, it seems. Uh, so, I mean, I don't know how this all got late, but it was crazy. Yeah, it was crazy. I was in the same spot. I was watching that Miami. Well, I was dual watching. So on, on my laptop, I'm watching the Saints versus Jets. And on, you know, the projector or whatever, I'm watching um, the Miami game, right? And when I see it flash, I'm like, man, how fast can I get to Twitter? <laughs> Cause I need for one, I needed to for one, I need to repost it. Two, I need to validate it, right? Well, first I need to validate, and then I need to repost it. But it came from ESPN, and it seems so legit. And then you're right, the world just reacted so fast, man. I I just didn't expect. Um, I, for one, I didn't expect it at all. Um, and two, you know, apparently OJ Simpson didn't expect it either, and I feel bad for that. <laughs> well. So there's people who were drafting yesterday or on Saturday, Friday, and there's people who drafted Lamar Miller and Andrew Luck. Uh, you know, and, and, and now your fantasy season's probably tanked. Done. <laughs> yeah. You are finished. So, and that's before, that's before you even had a week to enjoy your team. Man, that's what I got to ask you. So we have to start there. I want to start with Luck. So what should teams do if they did draft Andrew Luck, right? So so what do they do? Do they cut him at this point? Do they hold on? Um like what what's the what's the next option for them? Uh so I mean it's, it it all depends on what type of league you're in. I think, you know, if you're a redraft league, uh, the obvious answer is you cut him. He's not coming back this year. He doesn't do this big press conference and then, you know, 6 weeks into the season decide it's time to come back. Dynasty it, it, it all depends on your, your roster depth. Do you have enough spots on your depth chart where you could stash him? Um, I think ESPN had a weird thing last year where Le'Veon Bell, when he was suspended, uh, registered as out. So people were able to stash him on their IR. 
which is kind of interesting. So if something like that happens, if you can stash them on an IR spot, or if you have, you know, 30, 20 plus depth spots, you know, you just stash them away. See, you know, maybe he gets an urge to come back. Uh, people are already doing that with Rob Gronkowski. I don't see why you wouldn't do it with Andrew Luck. Uh, from there, you know, it, it's who do you start picking up, right? Yeah, I, I wouldn't even know where to go. Um, I mean, definitely Jacoby Brissett, if you're in a league where, you know, there's just not a lot of other options. But what if I'm in a 10 to 12 team league and there are some other options out there? Because even in the draft I yeah. just did in a 14 team league, I think Eli's still there. A few other guys are there. Who do you think I should pick up in those situations? Yeah, so 10 to 12 in a 10 team league, you're probably still got plenty of depth out there. I mean, you probably have somebody like Dak Prescott could be available to Bisky, Darnold, uh, 12 team. It, it, it all depends on the league type. Uh, my home league, there's guys, it's a one QB league. There's multiple teams with three quarterbacks. So it's just guys taking up, uh, bench depth, really. I mean, you're not going to really need three quarterbacks. Um, so, and, and everybody has a home league like that. Uh, more competitively, uh, there's, there's going to be options for you. I think, you know, if you're in a two QB or a super flex, um, it's, it's spend all of your fab or whatever, uh, you know, your waiver position on Brissett right now. Uh, the big Scott Fishbowl, I think uh, waivers run next week, and I, I'm sure he's going to be a max ad, so there's going to be people spending their entire fab budget on him. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and honestly, yeah, Eli, um, do we really think Eli's going to be the quarterback for the entire season? Uh, Daniel Jones looks better right now. It's the Giants. It's this whole weird, uh, you know, Eli... You know, the cult of Eli Manning that the, uh, the ownership can't really move on from him or, uh, set it up to, to really get Daniel Jones some playing time, which, which is probably going to happen. I don't see why you wouldn't. I mean, you invested the sixth overall pick on him, similar to what the Bears did. They brought in Mike Glennon for a season. Um, let's never forget that Mike Glennon got darn near 20 plus million dollars in guaranteed money to play <laughs> six games. Six games for Chicago before Mitch Trubisky took over. So I, I think we could easily see something along those lines with Daniel Jones taking over. Um, Case Keenum right now is being labeled as the starter. So, you know, there you can utilize him for a couple games, you know, stash Dwayne Haskins. Uh, plenty of options are available at quarterback. And that's, it's why you should never really spend a high draft pick unless you're in a super flex QQB league on a quarterback. So what do I do with T.Y.? Is, is it now time to to sell on T.Y.? Or do I kind of hold on to him for a while? T.Y. Hilton I'm talking about. Do I hold on to him? I, uh, yeah, I think he's totally worth holding on to. Uh, T.Y. Hilton has only been under 1,000 yards twice. Uh, it's his rookie year and his year with Jacoby Brissett. And now, you know, there's a lot of... You know, you gotta, you gotta look at a lot of the different factors though with Jacoby Brissett in 2017 when he took over for that season. He was, the week before the season started, uh, the Colts sent, uh, Philip Dorsett to New England. New England sent Jacoby Brissett to the Colts. So Jacoby Brissett had less than really a week to, to get into the offense, to learn the system, and to become the guy. I, I don't see why, you know, we're talking about a, a better offense a better offensive line, why he can't still be effective throwing the ball to T.Y. Hilton. Um, obviously, it knocks him down from maybe 
low-end wide receiver one, high-end wide receiver two numbers to maybe just back-end wide receiver two type numbers. Man, I'm looking at um, Eric Ebron and the type of season he was able to have with Andrew Luck at the helm. And, you know, granted, it was a resurrection year for him. If I am a guy who hasn't drafted yet and I'm headed into a draft, where do I kind of look at Ebron? Like, where am I kind of putting him? I was fading Ebron even before Andrew Luck. Um, he, his touchdown rate was through the roof last year, just on the number of targets, the red zone. Uh, and then just compared to what he had done previously, he's a very good talent. He was drafted in the first round for a reason. Uh, but I don't think he's going to, he wasn't going to get the same number of touchdowns as he got last year. Uh, he was also, there was a big difference in the splits when Jack Doyle was healthy and when, when, uh, Doyle was out of the games. Uh, Brissett actually really favored Jack Doyle during the 2017 season when he was playing. So that seemed to be his safety valve, uh, which, you know, now that Ebron's there, maybe it's the same thing. He prefers looking for those tight end targets. So you still kind of, you're, you're at least not, he, do you think he's a T, T, T in one? Is he tight in one? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think Ebron's still a back end tight end one. I uh, wouldn't. You know, I think maybe he falls from that mid-tight end one uh, tier kind of to that back tier now. But the tight end position's gross. Uh, if you're not hitting on guys like Kelsey, Ertz, uh, Kittle, spending that high draft capital on them, just fade it till later, and then you're you're just fine drafting the Ebron, uh, and they're just kind of picking and choosing from there. Okay. You talked about um, <laughs> you talked about the Scott Fishbowl, and I asked so many. I, I want to know what – I know it's like the secret society of the best fantasy minds in all of the world who come together, <laughs> who come together to draft and play against each other. Am I right when I say that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm there, so I don't know if it's the best fantasy mind. <laughs> it, it's just, it's really, it's, it's something great that's just done for fantasy. Um, and then it's just the amount of money that goes to charity through the Scott Fitz fishbowl. Uh, all of this goes to money for Toys for Tots. Uh, you know, as, as a as a Marine, that's just something that I've always loved um, is, you know, donating for Toys for Tots. It's a way for kids who maybe aren't going to have a Christmas because, you know, their their family's going through financial hardship. Now they're able to get toys and they're able to, you know, to have that Christmas feeling of, you know, getting something that they wanted for Christmas. And, and that's just such an awesome thing. Uh, I think Scott Fishbowl 7, I made the playoffs. And then last year I... Uh, I drafted David Johnson early, and that just didn't go well for me. Oh, man. Uh, I think I, I think I was in the discussion for it, but uh, I ended up missing out uh, on the playoffs last year. So hopefully this year, you know, I've, I've got Duke Johnson, so I'm a little excited right now. And uh, yeah, well, I mean, it's you know, it's the biggest thing. It's just so much fun to do, and there's a lot of people who partake in it, and getting to compete against a lot of the other, you know, big fantasy minds of, of fantasy Twitter and the fantasy industry. So. You're going into that draft with all those experts. What is your draft strategy like per round? Like, what are you thinking? I'm round one, I'm round two. Where are you headed with those? And then, how do you prepare for a draft like that? Uh, you know, it's it's tough to prepare for a draft like that. Uh, obviously, so Scott Fishbowl was early July. So if you're on fantasy Twitter, I'm sure you saw a lot of stuff about it and people doing. Um, mock drafts and going over the different ADP stuff, which was somewhat helpful. But really, when you get into those drafts, there's going to be wrenches thrown in. There's going to be craziness. Uh, 
Travis Kelsey is going to go in the first round. It's super flex, so Patrick Mahomes is going round one. Mm. And then, um, it, you know, it's just, just getting used to it, kind of having guys you want to target. Uh, and then it's it's tricky because, uh, so I started off with the first pick, which, you know, you're, you're like, all right, I'm getting the dude I want. And so for me this year, that's Christian McCaffrey. I wanted uh, to really lock him. There's these different... Uh, uh, scoring bonuses for if your guy goes over 100 yards rushing, uh, X amount for over receiving yardage. And, you know, I, I see CMC as a guy who's going to hit those kind of marks. Um, and especially when you're talking about Warriors with Zeke, um, Barkley, what's the Giants offense going to be like with Eli and those issues. Now you don't have Odell. So yeah, I thought CMC is kind of the safest right there, the top four running backs. And then for me, it's okay. I got to get it. I got to get a quarterback kind of early. And being at the one at the one hundred one, and then having to deal with the two twelve three hundred one turn, mm. you got to kind of get out ahead of, of certain runs. So when you're talking about strategy, you have to look ahead. Okay, when is a quarterback run going to hit? I don't want to be left without a quarterback because I'm going to be missing nearly twenty four picks drafted at the turn right there. When is a running back run going to happen? Wide receivers. So you got to kind of try and plan again for that, um, utilize tier rankings, and uh, a little bit of hope. <laughs> a little bit of <laughs> a little bit of hope. I think um, I was just in a draft that had that big turnaround. I had the first pick, and then I had you know I guess pick what the last pick of the second round. It was a very very long time, and it, it, it's tough, man. It's really tough. You get the guy you want, and that's the blessing. But the curse is that you may not see another yeah. guy you want <laughs> for a while. It was tough. It was tough because, yeah, I was sitting at 212, and uh, Todd Gurley's falling. Nick Chubb went early second round. Uh, I think – so I picked 212. I think Gurley went 211. Um, and then right after I made my third-round pick, Aaron Jones went, who I'm really high on this year. Yeah, and, and like you said, you just see all those guys start to click off the board. And, and one of the key things is, is not to panic. Don't force a pick. Um, be ahead of the run. Don't be behind the run. If, if a big quarterback room goes, don't panic. Overdraft somebody. Then, hey, snag that, that top you know tier wide receiver or running back or, or whoever you can get in. That's a better value over uh, you know a third, fourth tier quarterback. So I have this question. A lot of people are confused about quarterback this year. Um, they're not in the super flex league. Some of those guys are non super flex leagues, but they're like, you know, I don't know when to look at Patrick Mahomes because he's so, he's such a talent. And even if he does regress a little bit, right, you're still looking at a phenomenal talent. He's the most dynamic quarterback in the game right now. It seems like a huge stretch between him and guy number two or three. So when do I target a guy like that? If especially if you know if touchdowns count for six points, um, even with touchdowns counting for six points, I think it's hard to draft Patrick Mahomes in the first round. Because if you're drafting Patrick Mahomes in round one, yes, you're getting him. Um, and you, you know you, you hear the word regression and you think this negative connotation with it, but there can be positive regression. Like Russell Wilson should see positive regression for his rushing touchdowns this year. You think Russell Wilson has always had at least one rushing touchdown. He had zero last year. So he's due for positive regression. Uh, when you look at Patrick Mahomes, his stats were astronomical. Very few players have ever had the 5,000 yards, uh, throwing and 50 touchdowns. So he's going to have some regression in that. But even if he regresses, he's still probably 
right within that top tier of quarterbacks. But now if you draft him as one in the first round and now you're missing out on guys, you know, some of the top running backs, uh, if you're thinking seeing, you know, Christian McCaffrey, Barkley, Kamara, Zeke, Nick Chubb, James Connor, uh, obviously we don't know with Melvin Gordon. I'm a little bit more worried about David Johnson. So you're missing out on those running backs who are such a big difference between the next tier of guys, even Joe Mixon. Uh, and then you look at the tier wide receivers, Odell, DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, Michael Thomas. You're missing out on those guys and those next tier of wide receivers. It's a, it's a decent step down. Um, whereas, you know, you don't take Mahomes, but say you get Matt Ryan, who's going to be, you know, a QB1 every week. And you feel the team with uh, a top running back. You can leave a draft easily with Nick Chubb and say Odell Beckham, or you can go Julio and Odell in round one, round two, and you're still drafting, you know, Matt Ryan in a couple rounds later, even in a superplex. Hmm. So you feel like you don't make that super big early investment in a Patrick Mahomes? Uh I, I wouldn't, um, that's just my strategy. For my drafts right now, I really like, if I'm picking early, say in the top four picks, I like what's called, um, modified zero running back. So my early pick, I'm taking one of those top difference making running backs, and then I'm gonna hammer wide receiver. Now if it's a super flex, maybe round four or five, I'm gonna make sure that I go quarterback, quarterback, just to make sure that I kinda lock that position up. Um, but you know, if I'm leading the draft where I'm getting, uh, one of the top running backs, and then I'm getting a, a tier one uh, wide receiver in round two and round three, I'm going to like that team a lot more than if I focus quarterback early. I love it. Okay, so now let's let's circle back to the running backs. You mentioned that if you were the first pick in the draft, well, you were the first pick in the draft, you picked Christian McCaffrey because you feel like he would, you know, hit that spot for you um, or he would, you know, actually produce. The question is... Mm-hmm. Where do you, who are your top five? Like your overall top five running backs when drafting in a PPR. And, and that's the caveat here, right? So when drafting in a PPR, um, who are your top five running backs? Understanding that there's a Melvin Gordon situation, Ezekiel Elliott, and even a Duke Johnson, how do you handle those guys as well? But who's in your top five right now? So for me, it, it starts with Christian McCaffrey. That's kind of my number one dude. Um, from there, I want to look at uh, Barkley, Kamara, Zeke. Uh, you, you know, you're worried about Zeke with the contract right now, but he really doesn't have a whole lot of room to negotiate with this. He still has uh, the Cowboys still have the rookie option on him. Uh, he he doesn't have a whole lot of negotiating strength. Uh, I, you know, I really want the dude to get paid, but at the same time, he, he doesn't have a great spot. Uh, there's the worries about Nick, uh, um, not Nick Chubb. There's the worries about Todd Gurley's knee. He's right there. So I think, you know, the, the top three, uh, CMC, Barkley, and Kamara, Gurley kind of right in there. And then, uh, Nick Chubb and James Conner for me right at the end of that. So, uh, there's a lot of talk about Nick Chubb. He's not a, he's not a three down back. Nick Chubb is a three down back. When he filled in as a freshman at Georgia when Todd Gurley got hurt, he had 18 receptions, which was good numbers for Georgia receiving as a running back that, that year. He, he, you know, he's not Kamara. He's not, he's not going to be doing wheel routes, this or that. But Nick Chubb is just fine as a receiver and, you know, that, that PPR. Same with James Conner. Um, 
you know, Melvin Gordon, I'm a little bit more worried about him. Uh, he can do the holdout then, because uh, he would then fall under the um, franchise cap numbers next year. So if they want to franchise him, they got to pay him more. He could sit out this year. That one's really tough. He's got a he's got an injury history already. So I, I think those the top five are you know you, you, Christian McCaffrey kind of is my one hundred and one. Barkley uh, it, and this is for twenty nineteen. Barkley is my my top guy for for dynasty. Kamara, Zeke, Gurley, Nick Chubb, James Conner, kind of all right there at the back end. How are you treating a guy like Duke Johnson Jr. after that Lamar Miller injury? I, I'm super high on Duke Johnson. Some people are, you know, trying to tell you that Duke Johnson doesn't have the size to be a three-down back, but he's right in there around a lot of these other guys' size. He's right around there with Kamari. He's right around there with CMC. Um, you know, he's not the big bulk uh, three-down bell cow that you know we typically think of. You know, a guy who's six foot, uh, two hundred twenty, but He's right in right where normal running back size is nowadays. Uh, when you look at his BMI, he's a thicker guy. And, you know, you're, if you're going to be worried about Duke Johnson, it shouldn't be because of size. It should be because the Texans' uh, offensive line is really not good. <laughs> <laughs> really not good. <laughs> look, um, I want to ask you about these guys like Odell Beckham Jr., Antonio Brown, Man, how do we handle them this year? I I just had a draft. They kind of fell a, a lot more than they they you know I'm used to seeing them. Antonio Brown was even there in like second third round. How do you handle these guys? When am I targeting them? Yeah, so I, I pulled up a fantasy football calculator ADP, and it shows Odell's going about the two hundred one, which I think is a is a great range for him. Uh, like I said, I mean if you can leave your first and second round. If say you go, you know, throw RB and you focus wide receiver, you're likely able to leave with either Julio, uh, Michael Thomas, maybe even Devontae Adams right there, and then Odell Beckham. So you, it's very possible you can leave the first and second round with the two of those four wide receivers. Um, especially Odell, he's going from Elon Manning, very inconsistent quarterback play. We saw that Odell, or that Odell really wasn't getting the deep ball. Now, Manning wasn't able to push it downfield to him. I think, I, I even want to say Odell had more 40-yard throws than Eli last year. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, it, 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 Eli is, he's hit a point, you know. It's its unfortunate with age. It just, it happened. Uh, but now you're talking, you're pairing him with Mayfield, a better offense. The one thing that we might worry about, though, with the Browns is that offensive line. Are they going to provide enough time for Mayfield to push mm. it deep? They traded uh, Zeitler to get uh, Vernon, which is also part of the whole Odell uh, deal. And their offensive line has looked pretty suspect uh, so far in the preseason. I was watching them uh, early against uh, the Buccaneers this weekend and wasn't very impressed. Now, I, I feel like they did regress in that third preseason game. Um, but in the first two, yeah. well, at least the first one, Baker Mayfield looked very, you know, very accurate, very, you know, like explosive. Actually, the offense looked explosive even without Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham. Um, I don't know what happened last week, but before then, they did look pretty explosive. Yeah, last last week, maybe just, who knows, something just a little bit off. But Mayfield was missing on some throws, especially, um, I want to say it was to Higgins, uh, deep near the end zone. 
And it, yeah, it was just kind of just a little high on a couple throws. It just seemed a little bit off. But uh, when you're starting Greg Robinson at left tackle, and I just I worry about that offensive line. Maybe something they should address next year in the draft, and uh, really hammer that. Uh, you know, if this is your your Super Bowl window, if you're saying you know those kind of things for the Browns, especially the te- the Texans as well, they all of these teams need to get on the phone with uh, the Washington you know football team and get Trent Williams uh, moved. Yep. So. So, what are you thinking about Antonio Brown? How are you treating um, him? Uh, you know, I think Antonio Brown's just fine. Uh, we've had all this silliness with the helmet, uh, the foolishness of freezing <laughs> his feet and getting frostbite, which if you've ever gone into a cryo chamber, there's numerous warnings about protecting your feet. Uh, I guess though he was in France, maybe there was a, you know some sort of uh, translation issue <laughs> or I don't know if he's going to some sort of third rate uh, cryo chamber. Either way, there's no, no reason he should have had that happen to him. Uh, in fact, I believe uh, there was a, the saints backup quarterback that you cannot have. When, if you go to a cryo chamber, you can't have any moisture on him. Uh, saints backup quarterback, I believe, um, uh, Golick was talking about this the other week on uh, Golick and Wingo in the morning. Teddy or Taysom? Uh, backup. Yeah, backup goes in there, gets into the cryo chamber, and ruptures a nipple because there was moisture on it. Oh! So, yeah, it's, it, it's a thing. There's been these kind of injuries. So, not the uh, obviously, cryo chamber. Yeah, cryo chamber is not something to mess around. AP's still one of the best receivers in the game. And it's, it's Antonio Brown and. Ben Roethlisberger obviously had a great connection, uh, and it's going to take time with that with Derek Carr. Is Derek Carr going to have that space and that trust to throw Antonio Brown open? Um, you know, but there was a lot of trust with, with uh, Ben Roethlisberger and Brown where there were throws that you're probably not going to give to Juju at this point in his career. There was probably throws that he wasn't given to any of the other Steelers receivers. But he has that face, all right, I, I can put it here, and I know Antonio is going to be in position to get this. Uh, does Derek Carr have that at this point? I doubt it, especially since he's been missing a lot of this preseason practice and this work. Just to become familiar, getting that timing down, what does Brown look like in and out of his break? Um, it's important work for quarterback and wide receiver. I still think if you're drafting, you know, and you're, you're seeing Brown go into the third, fourth round right now, I'm all over that. If you can get Brown at that value, it's it's a league kind of winning produ- uh, production that you're going to get out of your wide receiver in fantasy. So you're snagging him, especially if you see him dropping a third. You're not even thinking twice about it. Oh yeah, that's that's an auto click. I'm hitting AD right there all day, <laughs> third, fourth round. Yo, talk to me about. Okay, cool. Let's say we get to round six, ten. Who are some of those guys that are get are around that point that you know everybody else is kind of like. You know, looking away at that point, maybe they're filling other spots. Who are guys that are right there that I can scoop up that'll help my fantasy team? So the value is no longer there, but I think he's still a great pick. Um, he's everybody's fantasy kryptonite. Everybody wants to get him. Fantasy football calculator ADP has him at six oh four. New England Patriots. What is you know what is dead may never die. He is the drowned god. <laughs> I know where you go, Josh Gordon. <laughs> yep. uh, you know, this is, is there any player that the fantasy community as a whole just can't quit? I don't the know. The size, the speed, yeah. Tom Brady, it's the Patriots offense. Vacated targets. Hogan's gone. Gronkowski's gone. 
uh, and Ke- the first round pick in Keel Harry, who I think should be a, a high fantasy target for those of you doing rookie drafts. He's, he's a stud. He's going to take time. Uh, it sounds, you know, he's been dealing with some injuries and different stuff, kind of inconsistent. But Josh Gordon's come off the, the NFI list. He's practicing. Uh, you know, you, a few weeks ago, he was a, you know, end of your draft. Hey, I'm going to throw a dart. I'm going to take Josh Gordon. Now he's a sixth round pick. Um, just a temptation, right? It's Josh Gordon. Um, so there, there's your sixth round guy. D.D. Westbrook, um, when you think of the sliding scale of quarterbacks, at the far end of the spectrum of bad is Blake Bortles. Uh, now on the side of good is Nick Foles. And so D.D. Westbrook, uh, FF calculator has him about 702. He goes from Blake Bortles bad to Nick Foles improvement um i wouldn't say nick Foles is a good quarterback he's been inconsistent he's had some bad years there's a there's a really great year um with chip kelly and philly some negative stuff where he goes to the rams he deals with jeff fisher he didn't you know he had a really good run when he goes back to the eagles uh he was basically a backup with the chiefs for a year uh what is nick who you know which type of quarterback is this is this really the the Chip Kelly, the Super Bowl run, Nick Foles, or is this the average guy that we've seen every other time? And I think Nick Foles falls more under that average, which is still good for D.D. Westbrook, because that's better than Blake Bortles. When I look at the, the next guy I want to see, Geronimo Allison with the Packers. I think that's your wide receiver, too, in Green Bay. Uh, in the games where he was healthy, he was starting to break out. Uh, unfortunately dealt with a lot of injuries last year. He only got about four games, but he was putting up really good numbers. Um, now we're bringing in Matt LaFleur, who is kind of that disciple of Shanahan, uh, Todd McVay, an ugly season last year with the Titans, but now he's coaching. He's the head guy with Aaron Rodgers, so I'm very high on Geronimo Allison. And uh, one final one, Deshaun Jackson uh, leaves, leaves Tampa Bay, and now he's got Carson Wentz at quarterback. So maybe just a, an improvement in efficiency. Some guy, maybe that's better for best ball. I don't think you're going to feel comfortable starting week to week otherwise. You like Deshaun Jackson? I do. I, you know, it's uh, he's a great best ball player. I don't think I want to have him on my my normal roster. Uh, I'm going to be a little. I'd be a little worried about you know playing him uh, week to week. But if I have a best ball team and you know Deshaun Jackson's going to hit you one of those weeks where he gets. Three or four receptions, 140 yards, and two touchdowns. Those are facts. Those are facts right there. Yeah. I'm Teresa Hampton. You're listening to MTMV Sports. Keep it locked. Are you a believer who enjoys Marvel or DC Comics? Do you just love a good superhero story? You do? Awesome. Then check out Waywater Entertainment's new digital comic, Legacy AD, now available on Amazon.com and the Amazon Kindle app. Get ready for a new superhero who loves and serves Jesus Christ. For more information, check out LegacyADCartoon.squarespace.com. So, <laughs> look, I got to... Um, I, we have a segment we did last year. We're going to start it off this year with you. It's called Trustfall, where I bring up a I bring right. up a name, um, and then as I bring up the name, you tell me I'm bring up the name, and then in this case, it's a draft situation. So you tell me if you trust this guy to produce for you this year or you don't. You ready? 
All right, let's hit it. All right, here we go. Um, first guy up, I drafted Kyler Murray as my quarterback. He's my QB one though. Do you trust or not trust that situation? Uh, I trust it. They spent the one on one pick on him, basically wasting last year's um, first round pick, Josh Rosen. So you, you wasted draft capital on Rosen, but you at least have the wherewithal to be like, okay, Murray is our dude. We're going to go with him. The Arizona defense is terrible. Um, so they're going to be in shootouts. They're going to need him to produce. He has that, the Konami code, uh, Rich Rebar, you know, patented saying where he can run, he can use his, his legs. Uh, he's very accurate with his arm. Russell Wilson has shown that shorter quarterbacks can succeed. Um, when I look at, at Kyler Murray, I don't think he is as big as his listed height. And that's not, or not, not height, but his weight. He seemed a lot leaner, uh, than when he was listed at the combine. And I think he bulked up at the NFL combine, which is why you didn't see him run. And, I, I'm uh, I'm very high on Kyler Murray. I think he's going to be a QB one for fantasy, um, and in this draft class, he's the QB one. And his upside, you know, he could be a guy who finishes in one of the top six quarterbacks. Okay. Next is Josh Jacobs, running back for the Raiders. He's my RB two. I'm all for it. The Raiders just released uh, the muscle hamster himself. Oh and, no. Uh, yeah, so uh, the muscle ham. Uh, why am I drawing a blank on his name? Uh, Doug Martin. Uh, Dave, yeah, Doug Martin is gone, and so hey, this is this is the Josh Jacobs show. There is loads of volume. Um, I was worried about him coming out of uh, Bama. He never took the job. Nick Saban, had, you know, traditionally he had gone kind of more of a bell cow back, but maybe now that's changed with Alabama. Maybe. Uh, you know, Saban looks at this as having multiple running backs, uh, guys that he can, you know, system, you know, systematically use in an offense, you know, and change things up with. Um, you know, he never took over the job, but now he's stepping into a position where Lynch is gone, Martin's gone, Jalen Richard is much more of a pass catching running back. So he easily could step into a situation where he gets 200 plus uh, carries and not to mention maybe even 50 receptions. So I'm, I'm all over J- Josh Jacobs. Um, in my home league, I actually took Josh Jacobs. I had the one on one and I took Jacobs over my guy and Keel Harry. So, mm, okay. Okay. So I'm going to come a little closer to home for you. I'm going to go with DK right, Metcalf, right. wide receiver at Seattle. He's my wide receiver six in the 10 team league. All right, so t- so wide receiver six out of the rookies. Yep. Okay, I'm you know I'm fine with that. Um, I I think the physical gifts are huge. Now, what we have to look at is DK Metcalf might be a better football player for the Seahawks than he is a fantasy asset. I think what the Seahawks looked at when they drafted DK Metcalf is in 2018 is they fa- they faced a lot of stacked boxes. Now, what the Seahawks like to do is they want they like to run and set that up with play action and then hit teams over the top when they try to load the box. So that's why you see Tyler Lockett, the efficiency with that over the top. Now, I think what the Seahawks looked at is if we can get Tyler Lockett and then have DK Metcalf, this freak athlete, uh, you know, basically the Madden create a player, 
And you put those two guys on the field, you put that much speed, uh, you use one of them to run the nine, you run that deep route, and then you use the other guy coming across the field underneath into kind of a big vacated zone. And that's how I would attack it if I was the Seahawks. You know, I'm, I'm running Carson, I'm running Penny, and then when I hit it and they come down to that stack box and I can run play action, and now I'm, I'm either hitting DK over the top or I'm hitting that vacated zone with, uh, with Lockett. So I think he's going to be a much better uh, NFL player for the Seahawks than, than people will like for fantasy reasons. Um, they're one of the more run-heavy teams. The volume might not be there. Um, the biggest thing is a lot of people say that DK Metcalf is injury-prone. He's not. Uh, he's dealt with a broken foot, and he had a, a freak neck accident. Um, I think he crushed a vertebrae uh, or maybe had one. Uh, I, I've never heard the full story of what the injury was with his neck. But those are, those are freak accidents. This isn't soft tissue injuries. They're not repeating, you know, hamstrings, knees, things like that. They're two different parts of the, of the body. He just had the knee injury that they had scope. They seem pretty positive that he's going to be back early in the season. Uh, I had the chance to go to the Broncos, uh, preseason game. And now Russell Wilson didn't start in that game, but in the, uh, the lead up to the game during the practicing, uh, before the game, Wilson to DK, uh, on the deep ball was a thing of beauty. Uh, they're throwing 40 yards, and it's gonna it's gonna look great. There are gonna be some big highlights with when you see that when uh, Metcalf is healthy on the field with Wilson. So you think he is somebody you should draft and and stash and just kind of hold him, you know, on your roster? Yeah, I, I think early in the season, you know, early in the fantasy season, um, people were taking him top five picks and. Uh, Nope, same same home league where I, I got Josh Jacob. I got DK Metcalf um, in the second round early, and then I traded him for uh, 2020. I traded DK during the draft for uh, Andy Isabella and a 2022nd. So, hey, anytime anytime I can move those kind of assets, I get a, I get a little touch of your boy Kyler Murray, Andy Isabella, a very fast wide receiver coming out of UMass. So another guy you can probably stash later. Loved Andy, and I I wanted to see. I'm I'm not hearing great reports coming out of camp about him. Um, only I, I guess it's taking a yeah, little time worse, to catch up to the offense. <laughs> yeah. So and, and another thing with I mean I, I was very high on it, or you know I was never very high on Andy uh, Isabella, but you know he, and he kind of falls under that guy. We're going to talk about here in a little, a little bit, Marquise Brown. So we'll we'll save that one. Okay, dope. Uh, <laughs> talk to me about Miles Sanders running back Philly. This is a situation, trust or not trust, right? I'm in a redraft here. Miles Sanders is my RB3 in a 12-team league. I like it. Uh, Miles Sanders is probably one of the guys I had as my RB1 in 2019, even though I went with Josh Jacobs. Uh, the, the Philadelphia offensive line is phenomenal. Uh, their first-round pick, Andre Dillard, who they've been using, they've been rotating between left guard and left tackle. So with the ones right now, he's been running left guard. And with the twos, he's running the left tackle. And so the, the team has, uh, Peters there still at left tackle. Diller's going to be the, the, you know, the, the eventual heir, you know, heir of the, heir of the throne for the left tackle spot to protect Carson Wentz. I, I'm very high on that offensive line. I think it's one of the best in the NFL. Miles Sanders, would probably we'd be a lot higher on him if he wasn't behind one of the true generational talents for most of his collegiate career at Penn State, 
uh, backing up Saquon Barkley. Very good scores at the Combine, very talented player. Uh, you know, people knocked him for uh, the fumbling issue, but fumbling is, is an easy fix as long as the player wants to work on it. All it is is a technique, get that ball held up high, get your three points of contact, stop dropping it out like a loaf of bread. Any football coach who's worth anything can teach the player how to hold on to a football. Miles Sanders will fix that. Uh, there was talk earlier this season that, you know, uh, uh, Darren Sproles had been brought back to, to Philly. Uh, Sproles is late 30s. This isn't Darren Sproles of the Chargers, of, of his time with New Orleans. It, this is a guy who's come off some serious injuries. I'm not worried about Darren Sproles taking work from Miles Sanders. Jordan Howard was traded for a fifth or sixth round pick. If I were to tell you that, hey, Miles Sanders, who Philly traded up for, they traded draft capital against Sanders, was competing against a sixth round pick. That's, that's, Let's look at it. That's what everybody saw his value is, is a fifth or sixth round. I don't have the number right in front of me. He's either a fifth or sixth round running back. Are you worried about that, or, or do you think Miles Sanders can beat that player? You're going to say Miles Sanders every time. So I'm all about Miles Sanders. I think that's a great stash. He might start off a little slow, um, but after, geez, I want to say that the second half of the season is going to be great for Miles Sanders, and he's probably going to be a league winner for a lot of people. All right, talk to me about David Montgomery. I'm hearing a lot of buzz coming out of Bears camp about David Montgomery. If I trap, if I drafted him in a redraft as my RB1 in a 16-team league, are you scared for me? Do you trust that situation or no? No, I think it's, I think it's good. Um, Tariq Cohen is much better as kind of that offensive uh, weapon. So I call him a running back. He's not a receiver. Weapon. A guy you can get in space, create mismatches with. You don't want to slam him up against, into the offensive line a bunch of times. You want him in space with the ball in his hands with the score you touch down. He can't be covered at that kind of size if you get him, you know, mismatched. So, uh, Montgomery, a lot of people, uh, faded Montgomery after the combine. It wasn't impressive. I thought he would have done better, but when you watched him play at Iowa State, uh, those are about what his, his, his measurements look like. He's not, uh, you know, he's not a home run threat. He's not a speedy running back. He is very shifty, you know, that contact balance. Uh, he had, he broke numbers as far as, you know, uh, creating missed tackles and he seems to be well on the way to doing that again. And it's a very good offense, a very good offensive line for him to be playing by. So we mentioned earlier, you say you would come back to it. Hollywood Brown, he's my <laughs> he's my wide receiver too, and 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 it's funny because I'm not talking about Antonio Brown, right? Who who seems to be more Hollywood yep. than anything nowadays, but Hollywood <laughs> Brown, my wide receiver, um, two. He's my wide receiver two in a 14 team league. What do you feel about it? Do you trust or not trust that situation? Well, let's let's tackle the Hollywood Brown. You know, nickname right there for Antonio. Uh, let's talk about the intelligence that this man had. Where I was listening to the radio this morning, and I believe his agent uh, Rosenhaus, I believe, said that numerous helmet companies have actually reached out to Antonio Brown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep, they want it. They want it. He's going to get a deal now from a helmet company. They will make and they will make a helmet just for him, specified for him. It'll become the Antonio Brown line of, you know, whoever, shit, Rydell, whatever. 
uh, line of helmets. And now he's going to get a new contract deal out of that. He's going to get more money in his pocket. Uh, he really hasn't missed any time, I wouldn't say, other than being on the practice field, which might not have been a, you know, who knows how much he would have been practicing with the foot issue anyways. Now you've made this, you know, whole uh, production about the helmet, and now you're getting paid more money on the side for your helmet deal. So congrats, Antonio Brown. Now let's talk about Marquise. And, and look, uh, I saw it. Pete, I saw it, bro. I was like, yo, <laughs> yo, I mean, that's smart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He has played it. He has played this offseason perfectly, Antonio Brown. So, one of the things. So, Marquise Brown started at the JUCO level, College of the Canyons. One of the greatest lies the devil ever told was uh, College of the Canyons listing Hollywood Marquise Brown at five foot eleven and one hundred and seventy pounds, I believe. <laughs> so he came in uh, at the combine. I think at five nine and three eighths and about one hundred sixty six pounds. Now, why is the, the 166, I think, is key? Because when you look at him on the field, he does not look like 166 pounds. He is, he is fast. He is the fastest dude on the field. His ability to start-stop uh, is, is out of this world. There were times where he put guys on skates. Uh, I would have liked to have seen him run the 40 just because I would have been curious as what he's going to do. But I'm worried because when I look at the history of receivers who are sub-5'10 and sub-170 pounds, there's not a lot of success there. The best receiving, you know, career for anyone comes from Drew Hill, played from 1979 to 1993. It's 5'9", 170 pounds. He finished his career with 634 receptions for 9,831 receiving yards, 60 receiving touchdowns. Um, you know, this is 79 to 93, much more physical. And now maybe Marquise is able to utilize his size um, and more importantly, his speed. He's not, maybe he doesn't get jammed up. It's not that physical game that it was back then. But, um, I mean, you're talking Drew Hill, Kelvin Martin, Alfred Jenkins. If I've said anybody you could even recognize on what team they played for, go ahead. Billy Johnson. Now, here we go. James Jett, Raiders, 93 to 2002. JJ Burden, Dexter McCluster, Philip Epps. And here we go. Taylor Gabriel, another player that people can recognize. Floyd Dixon. So these are all five sub five foot ten, sub hundred seventy pound receivers. It's just hard to succeed to that size, um, and that's my biggest hang up on Marquise Brown. So do you think? Do you feel like there's a surprise coming again? Like, can he surprise some people? So you 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 oh, obviously absolutely. don't trust that situation as as my you know wide receiver too. Um, but do you think he could surprise some people this year? Oh, absolutely. He he absolutely could because when I say his speed is something else. Um, there was times that he would, he would hit guys. He would do about a, a, an eight or 10 yard and he would stutter. Is he going to hit an out? Is he going to hit an in? And then he would just hit guys over the top. Um, and it was easy pickings for Murray at Oklahoma. So I, I think he has that speed to, to be a mismatch. Now it's going to be on the offense to get him, you know, put him in position, get him some routes, get him, you know, lined up and get that mismatch going. Man, we I I had a chance to check out some of your articles um that you I think it just came out. It was an article about um it's time to give up on certain guys. It's time to move on from certain guys. And I think it, you kind of focused on at least some of the wide receivers and you mentioned guys like Julio, Antonio Brown, AJ Green in dynasty leagues due to their age. Mm-hmm. If 
if you are, if you are thinking about dealing some of these guys in dynasty leagues, right, what are you looking to get back in return for a guy like Julio Jones, Antonio Brown, or A.J. Green? Now, now got to emphasize, this is only if I'm not a contending team. Julio, Antonio Brown are probably going to be league, you know, guys are going to be big contributors for this year. Julio Jones, one of the best receivers to do it. Um, but if I'm not in contention, I don't want to hold on to a 30-year-old player with a history of foot issues, Julio Jones, a 30-year-old wide receiver like Antonio Brown, who I've sat there all offseason and been like, yo, is this dude playing in Pittsburgh? Is he going to play at all? Shoot, now he's on the Raiders. What does he look like with Derek Carr? Shoot, is he going to play at all now that he's doing this whole helmet deal? That's just stress I don't need. A.J. Green's dealt with injuries. He hasn't played a full season in a little while. Um, and, you know, Julio Jones, even though he's been playing, you're, you week to week, you're sitting there like, crud, is he going to play? He's always on the in, you know, he's always listed on the injury report. Um, he's still playing though. But if I'm not contending, I'm going to move those guys. I'm, I want to get picks in 2020. I want to see, you know, even if I can't load up on 2020 picks, they're the, they're the it thing right now. They're the new Jordans. Um, they're the, they're the thing you got to have is your 2020 pick. Can I get some 2021 picks? Can I get dudes? who are going to be in that draft class like Trevor Lawrence, where I'm going to, I'm going to get the next Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning. Can I get Justin Fields, you know, one of the next top quarterbacks that everybody's going to soon find out about over at Ohio State? Um, besides the Debbie circle that's known about this dude for years since he was doing the Elite 11, uh, the Netflix special QB1, Justin Fields, people are going to fall in love with this guy. He's going to be a stud. So I want to just, if I'm not contending, I'm moving these guys because they're probably not going to help me win, and I'm fine. If You know what? If I'm just chucking a year or two away, and I can load up and then just bring in an, an absolutely stacked squad off guys from 2020, 2021, um, because I want to get as many, you know, I want to get as many darts as I can to hit on, you know, getting two starters for Julio Jones who are younger. Man, you are heavy, heavy Debbie. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's my um thing I coin, right? Heavy Devin. So um I like it, I like it. <laughs> you've been looking at certain guys already, like ahead of the curve a little bit, looking at guys in college. If I am thinking about hopping into, you know, a dynasty league, something like that, um, who are some guys that I should be keeping my eyes on in college right now? Keeping my eyes on them now so when the draft rolls around, I already know about them. Yeah. So next year, you're probably going to see the draft. Will, your, your home drafts are probably going to go DeAndre Swift, Travis Etienne, Jerry Judy. That's probably some sort of variation of those are going to be your top three. If you're a super flex, you can throw in Tua from Justin Herbert. Um, but now, now it kind of gets interesting. One of the guy, one of the running backs who I really like, you know, the, the shine has left. Um, you know, the, the pretty gold has been tarnished a little bit. Uh, but that's Cam Akers from Florida State. The Florida State offensive line is absolute garbage. The offense has been terrible. Um, you know, people were, were hammering Cam Akers saying he's not good at blitz pickup. Well, dude's got three guys coming through the offensive line when the ball gets snapped. I mean, which dude do you want him to take up? So Cam Akers has been dealing with this poor offensive line. He gets a ball. He's trying, and he's pushing it. He's pressing too much. Um, he wants to be the dude. So he's trying to make, plays that aren't there instead of taking the three or four yard gain he's trying to hit a home run and, and he's and he's losing he'll lose yards or he'll you know the three four yard run that he should have gotten he presses and you know maybe becomes a two yard but 
Akers, I think, is still right there with with ETN and Swift. He's going to have a great combine. Uh, I'm going to come out here to the Pacific Northwest. Savan Ahmed um, at the UW Pro Day this year, he ran a four three two forty yard dash, which is faster than any of the 2019 rookie running backs at the NFL Combine. Uh, you haven't heard a lot about him. He's been behind. He's kind of been split time with Miles Gaskin last year. The year before that, just kind of filling in a role. I think Ahmed will come out this year, um, uh, and I, I, which would be great for him because I think every collegiate player should come out when they're, you know, when, when it's the best time for them. Don't risk, you know, further injury. You see guys like Jake Butt, uh, former Michigan player. He ended up tearing up his knee. He had been projected to be a first round tight end. Comes to the NFL, tears his knee again, and he's just dealt with nothing but injury problems. Uh, lucky guys like Jalen Smith. They were able to recover from huge uh, knee injuries when he was in Notre Dame during the collegiate uh, football playoffs, and now he's gotten this you know payday from the Cowboys. But I think Ahmed will come out this year, uh, maybe a late first round guy, maybe second round. We'll see what he does at the combine, and in 2019, if that propels him maybe towards the middle, top tier of this class. Uh, next guy up, we're going to talk about some some receivers real quick. Uh, LaVisca Chenault uh, and C.D. Lamb are two of the kind of top guys on the Debbie circles. We don't need to talk about Jerry Judy. Um, there's plenty of other guys, too. Uh, Chenault, he's a six foot two, 220-pound receiver. He's got running back size. He's got speed. But he's also got ankle-breaking moves. I mean, he's put, he's put dudes on skates. He can uh, His route running is really plus. It, that said, Colorado hasn't asked a whole lot of, of him. He's ran kind of just a, a very select route tree. Same thing that a lot of people said of DK Metcalf. You're going to hear that um, next year when he comes up. And then they're going to talk about his injury history. I wouldn't be too worried about it. Uh, C.D. Lamb, whenever you're watching Oklahoma football and you're watching Marquise Brown, C.D. Lamb was the guy that was more impressive. So uh, he's another one he's going to be playing this year. We'll see what Oklahoma looks like this year with Jalen Hurts uh, starting the season. I would not be surprised if Spencer Rattler their incoming freshman doesn't take over at some point. I think he's a much better uh, quarterback as far as throwing the ball. Uh, but maybe Oklahoma switches up their offense a little bit, and we'll see what goes from there. Final one, we'll give you a tight end right here. Albert Oku Abunam out of Missouri. Nice. Really supreme. Yeah. <laughs> if you can pronounce it, all, all the best to you. I think I got it right. Um, supremely athletic, gifted tight end. Huge fan of him, and I think he's going to light up the combine, and he'll be another first-round tight end in 2020. Man, Pete, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for all the, you know, the dimes and the awesome diamonds you dropped for us today. Man, tell people who are listening where they can find your content, where they can find you on social media, and how they can get more of this amazing content. Absolutely. You can follow me at Twitter, and that's at underscore Pete Law. So at underscore P-E-T-E. L-A-W. Uh, you can find my work over at DynastyLeagueFootball.com and NumberFire as well. I haven't written over at NumberFire for a little bit. I've been busy for the last year or so. Uh, hopefully I'll get some more stuff going over there. It's uh, another phenomenal site. You know, guys like JJ, Brandon Gudula, and everybody else. So. That's awesome. Yo, thank you for joining us. We can't wait to give you more content like this. You're listening to Expert Fantasy Football Advice. This week we have the great Pete Lawrence with us. We can't wait to unveil the myriad of great, talented, phenomenal, off-the-chain um, fantasy football experts we have for you this season. Keep listening. Keep it locked right here. This is MTNV Sports. We love you. 
Sports fans rejoice. You're listening to my team, my voice with MTMV Sports.